1: plus
0: what's up everybody we are live with the awesome week nine start sit show i'm your host matt Kajeski, and i'm here with kyle dvorak you can follow me on twitter at matt underscore Kajeski and you can follow him at kyle tweets here Today, our title sponsor is Yahoo Fantasy. And before we get things started, hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, so that way you know when this and all other videos go live. Kyle, we had a really interesting Thursday night game. I feel like all of these island games are just becoming increasingly interesting throughout the year. And I'm a a sick fish, man. I love college football, so when the COVID situation broke and we got news that Trent Taylor and Richie James were going to be playing pivotal roles for this 49ers team, I got hyped and I know I'm not the same as everyone else out there. And there's some real like fantasy takeaways as well. Like Devonte Adams might be wide receiver one in football, but what did you make of the game last night?
1: Yeah. As long as like none of these players are suffering like long-term health impacts and it's mostly just cautionary sitting out. I actually like these two because I, I, maybe I don't like college football, but I like college prospects. I like the, the process of understanding college prospects. So I'm the same way when we see these guys, I at least get interested because they're names that I've heard of that. I know my opponents haven't, haven't heard of. So I like hearing about them. And uh, I think I probably have a, a better edge when looking at these guys than the field does. Cause no one knows who Richie James is, but like, you know, 30, 30 college football fans, 20 DFS grinders, and like a handful of you know prospect grinders. So I like seeing them, although I don't like seeing them as much when they're not very good. A lot hasty. It's difficult to pinpoint which weeks it's going to be McKinnon week and which weeks it's going to be either hasty or like Wilson when he's healthy. But it, it seems like, I don't know. It's so hard because we saw, mckinnon come out for like consecutive weeks and log like negative yardage on three carries i believe it was the same stat line two times they said in the week before those i believe it was that or maybe it was the first three carry negative yardage game that uh, they didn't uh they were arresting him essentially kyle shanahan said they were arresting him maybe they're arresting him for this game a game in which they didn't really stand a chance not entirely sure i think uh more than anything takeaway is that probably don't want to buy into these like horrible downside situations whereas like Trent Taylor, horrible downside, apparently. I thought he would be better. He was nothing, in fact. So probably should try and avoid zeros, I guess, is the largest thing. When you can find palatable waiver wire considerations, maybe don't buy into situations where you could get, like, you know, no work. And as far as Devontae Adams goes, kind of obvious at this point that he'll be the wide receiver one, even upon, like, Michael Thomas's presumptive return, I still don't think you can make uh, an argument given the way we've seen the Rodgers offense versus the Breeze offense look. I think their roles should project to be incredibly similar, but one of them is playing with the quarterback who simply looks a lot better, especially like Drew Brees doesn't look bad. He's fine, but Rodgers is on an absolute tear, and I don't think that ends anytime soon, and he's always been a guy who throws touchdowns at an above-average rate, so Dante Adams, wide receiver one, and, and there might end up being a pretty big gap. You could throw potentially like a DK Metcalf in there, but having a number two that takes away so much volume. Although maybe Russell Wilson, I mean Russell Wilson, definitely playing better, but the volume is key, and the volume on one of the best offenses is doubly key. So Adams, any contention from you on Adams, wide receiver one, with kind of a gap? I think that maybe is the most notable thing. Is I think there should be a gap. I don't think it's a tier.
0: I think it's one player in a tier. I think DeAndre Hopkins might have something to say to you.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, maybe,
0: maybe, maybe. Maybe. All right. But as, as we get into the show today, we will handle all of your questions. If you have them, throw them into the chat. I have a couple topical discussion points to address with Kyle throughout the show as well as we wait for a few more to stream in here. My first question to you is, you hinted at this, Michael Thomas is likely to return. Christian McCaffrey is likely to return first things first I just want to get your confidence interval with both of these guys what do we make of Christian McCaffrey Michael Thomas they're immediately sliding into your starting lineups I presume
1: yeah absolutely immediately sliding into the lineups do I project them to be 100% of basically since we have almost no sample on these guys from this season it's like you know two games and one game. I project them to be maybe not hundred percent of what we saw last year. One, because they kind of like doing what they did last year is kind of unsustainable, even for their skill sets, is difficult. Now Christian McCaffrey returns to a team that has more receiving talent around him and potentially a running back who could take away some work. Michael Thomas, his offense, I I just don't think maybe is quite as productive as last year. And Alvin Kamara continued, like somehow he looks better every, I mean, last week or last week, last season, he was actually a little bit banged up by injuries and his like broken tackle metrics and, his like touchdown metrics kind of came down. He looks not only better than last year, obviously, but the best he's played in his career. So I think they both turn return to situations where we project at full health and at full usage. There may be 90% of what we saw last year. Maybe you downgrade that in their returns, like a 75, 80, but like 75, like 50% of Christian McCaffrey is still like absolutely in your starting lineup. So maybe this week you lower your expectations just a little bit, but never to the point that you're not playing these guys.
0: Yeah, I think so too. As we get into the questions, first one coming in from Ben, he has a half-point PPR league, DJ Chark versus Deontay Johnson. For me, it is going to be Deontay Johnson. I don't feel fantastic with Deontay Johnson's just continually getting hurt, but at the same time, Pittsburgh has a top-five implied team total on the slate. They're playing a Dallas team, and they're heavy favorites in this game. I think Pittsburgh should be able to have their way with this Dallas team, and Deontay Johnson, when healthy, I think is pretty clearly – The wide receiver one in this spot. Jacksonville, we have DJ Chark as the wide receiver one as well. But again, how many points do we expect Jacksonville to score? How well do we expect this Jake Lutton-led team to perform overall? That's pretty big question marks for me. So I'll go Deontay Johnson in that situation. What do you make of this? I agree. I think maybe the game script doesn't set up perfectly for Deontay
1: Johnson, but for them to reach that game script, they do have to score a lot of points to be you know, double-digit favorites over Dallas for that to play out. So I think in the opposite scenario, sure, it's like you're projected to be losing, but how do you get to a point where as Jacksonville you're losing, it's probably because Jake Lutton is not very good. It's probably because you're using your backup quarterback. So I think – despite the fact that sure we see more pass attempts from one of these teams than we see from the other i want the good pass attempts i want the good volume i want the touchdown potential and all of that leans towards Dionte johnson so like sure could he go out and get injured again absolutely and i'm just going to take that risk because basically everything else sets up to be better for him and he looks like pittsburgh's number one receiver and you just you know you clutch your rosary beads and pray that he's healthy because i just keep playing
0: Yeah, we had a follow-up question. It was, do we prefer Juju or Deontay Johnson? And I do prefer Deontay Johnson. It seems that the gap is narrowing a little bit. Juju has back-to-back games with 14 and eight targets, but again, his A dot is so low that what is the upside with those targets? Deontay Johnson, only three targets in his most recent game, but I still do think there's a little more upside with those. Do you view this in the same manner? Yeah, I agree. In that
1: three-target game, he
0: left, he came back in, and it wasn't a very long
1: absence, but It's possible. It's possible. It's not guaranteed that when he came back in, he wasn't at 100% health. Because, I mean, literally, this guy seems to be never at 100% health. So it's possible that that is the reason we saw a low target game. Because before that, he had three games of double-digit targets, and they were all the ones that he finished or almost finished. So I still think Juju is a probably modestly too heavily used slot receiver. But that is specifically his role, and it's probably more so that he just plays a— of, you know volume laden in some sense role but diante johnson is still the actual number one receiver getting like modest a dot routes like not these jarvis landry style routes on the outside so diante johnson is still pretty clearly favored over juju if we see something like we saw last week again sure maybe we continue to adjust our priors but for now i have a strong a strong prior at least from this season that diante johnson is the number one and that hurts because i love juju
0: but the way they're using him is not conducive to putting up fantasy points it is bad I like this, man. You're backing some Toledo receivers. You know, he was a Mac guy. So I'm all in on Deontay Johnson too. Um, from PK in the chat sad. I have to ask, but Zeke or Robbie Anderson, this was an important discussion. I was going to ask you about on the show as well. First of all, I prefer Robbie Anderson straight up. The dude has a 27% target share, eight targets in back-to-back weeks, just massive blow up potential. The game is a huge total against Kansas city. It sets up really well for Robbie Anderson in the same vein Zeke's on the injury report Zeke's losing work to Tony Pollard and Zeke isn't an offense led by some combination of Ben DiNucci or Andy Dalton whoever's starting on a given basis I think it's clearly Robbie Anderson at this point presuming you feel the same way I want to ask you what we do with Zeke
1: overall well yeah it's not even it's not going to be those guys because Andy Dalton is on uh the COVID list you got poor Andy Dalton gets the concussion then goes out and gets COVID. I don't know. Maybe that's his fault. Who knows? But then uh, Ben DiNuja, I believe is, I don't think they made an announcement. I don't believe he's going to start. I think it's either Cooper Rush or is it Garrett Gilbert? Oh man. But like the, like any of these guys, maybe like you could argue if Andy Dalton was back, there'd be some semblance of confidence, but like they're on now their fourth or fifth string quarterback and their third string quarterback was downright awful. Their backup wasn't even that good. That should tell you all you need to know about the fourth and fifth string guys. This offense should look at like almost at best, like what the Jets look like. They're, like, we're asking about playing 2019 Le'Veon Bell. You just have to come into the mindset that that's what you're talking about when you talk about playing Ezekiel Elliott. You're going to get a lot of touches, and you are drawing dead to ever find 100 yards on the ground. And Robbie Anderson is not that. He's going to also get a lot, at, at least of targets specifically, and he is not drawing dead to score a touchdown. He's not drawing dead to get 100 yards. So Robbie Anderson, I don't know. I don't feel like it's that close. Zeke is like low-end RB2. He, he is exactly 2019 Le'Veon Bell to a
0: T. <laughs> I I wouldn't go that far. Zeke's going to see a lot of volume. I guess Le'Veon Bell did see volume last year, too, so and catch passes. But maybe I'm still a little too optimistic on Zeke based on my priors. We'll see. I'm not confident, though, and I still do prefer Robbie Anderson straight up. We have a pick two of three situation. It is Devin Singletary, DeAndre Swift, and Justin Jackson. First thing I like to do in these kind of situations is pick my favorite player and narrow it down to a one V one. Justin Jackson would be my favorite in the situation. Looks to have pulled ahead of the other chargers backs. I know Charmaine Pope had a concussion apparently, and he passed protocol. I still don't expect Trymaine Pope to really siphon that much work from Jackson. I think he mainly cuts into Joshua Kelly's load. And then from there, Deandre Swift versus Singletary. I'll take Deandre Swift based on upside alone that they, they just had a terrible, terrible game script last week where I believe it was Marvin Hall correct me if I'm wrong led the team in rushing did he Uh, this is awesome I do not know a wide receiver led the team in rushing I just can't remember who
1: it was probably would have been Marvin Hall because he has that like uh that speedy gadget player style of like you know he's similar to Tyreek Hill they're the same player essentially is what I'm saying
0: either way for me it's going to be Justin Jackson and DeAndre Swift do you feel the same way the third guy that we're talking about is Devin Singletary as well
1: yeah, I think Devin Singletary is the one is least likely to lead his team in carries. And he probably still has the edge over Zach Moss. But that edge grows more and more tenuous every week. Whereas DeAndre Swift, even if he doesn't lead his team in carries, is probably going to lead his team in running back targets specifically. So that kind of smooths out that edge. And Justin Jackson has a clear edge in both. So I agree. It, it's probably in the same order. I, I Justin Jackson, favorite DeAndre Swift, very close to him. Devin Singletary, much more on the fringes.
0: Agreed, agreed. Um, great question from Steve. Why not go all in on Clyde Edwards Hilaire this weekend? So I wanted to get this take from you. What what are we doing with the Chiefs backfield? Do we think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is no longer a comfortable starter? Do we think Le'Veon Bell is going to continue to siphon off work? Are they both usable? Yeah, they're both usable because I think you're
1: splitting backfield touches in a backfield that if they run the ball a lot, which unfortunately isn't always the case, you're getting a lot of touchdown equity potentially because this is the best offense in the NFL or maybe the second best, whatever. So I think they're both startable, but they both look more like like very volatile plays. You were banking on a touchdown because these guys both eat into each other's work so much. They're more like RB2, 3 potentially just because it's touchdown or bust for these guys and You have more touchdown potential than most other running backs because they play for the Kansas City Chiefs, but you are still relying on a highly variant outcome, which is not something I prefer to do. But at this point, like, you know, who are you? Who are your waiver wire options right now? The waiver wire doesn't feature a ton of great like like it's like, I don't know, J.D. McKissick. I'm still starting these guys over those guys. So unless, you know, Chase Edmonds like Chase Edmonds isn't available, Justin Jackson should not be available. You're starting them, but you're not happy about it.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I, I'm i not sure who I would look to if you're in that situation. I think you just have to roll with it. Swaggy P has an abundance of riches. He asks James Conner or Chase Edmonds. I mean, you are dealing with two very good options here. Honestly, I think it's probably James Conner just based on the matchup. They are heavy, heavy favorites over a Dallas defense that has just been carved up on the ground. But I can't honestly disagree if you were to decide Edmonds in that situation either. It's just a slight lean for me what do you make of this
1: yeah i completely agree that i think the it is very similar players i think we should project both to be used heavily as runners and be somewhat involved even maybe chase edmonds even more involved as a receiver but both should get an ample amount of targets simply put like the matchup is better for james connor and they're similar situations they're well i mean they're favorites but one of these guys is like double digit favorites over a terrible defense and one of them is chase edmonds modest favorites over miami who is a better defense they're they're not like great by any means but they're better and you do have kyler murray potentially stealing like rushing touchdowns rushing yardage whereas you don't have that effect in pittsburgh but yes yeah, this is a, an abundance of riches la Daw, da what was the swaggy p of, of course swaggy p has uh has an abundance of riches
0: <laughs> you're right we have a question from our very own producer jordan klein brandon cooks mike williams or darius slayton in the flex it's Brandon Cooks for me. That's a a great game environment against Jacksonville. It's a really high total. I know a lot of people are expecting David Johnson to run all over Jacksonville, but Brandon Cooks has quietly been extremely involved since the... Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Parsher of Bill O'Brien, he's actually out-targeted Will Will Fuller in that span. So give me Brandon Cooks. Again, the trio we are deciding between is Cooks, Mike Williams, and Darius Slayton.
1: Yeah, it's... pretty close for me between Mike Williams and Brandon Cooks but I do think you get like a very similar game environment whereas their favorites maybe you know the Texans a bit more favorite obviously but they have high team totals they are the field stretching number two receiver but Brandon Cooks has a sneaky upside to be much closer to the 1b whereas Keenan Allen so many targets to him that Mike Williams is a often used but simply a number two receiver whereas Brandon Cooks like you said that volume has been so high in recent weeks that he could be more of a 1b receiver i mean he's been the 1a in recent weeks so i think you get similar roles but just more potential to have larger market share numbers from brandon cook so a, a slightly i
0: like both those guys though and darius Slayton was
1: never even considered
0: for me <laughs> well here we go we have another question with darius slayton in it we have to pick two of these four Devonte parker christian kirk darius slayton and mike williams so right away, I'm going to put Devonte Parker in there. He's the number one alpha receiver for his team. I know Tua Tagovailoa didn't look great in his debut. I don't think that's going to matter much with Parker in the long run. I'm still going to roll with him. From there, it's a discussion between the number twos and the various teams, Christian Kirk and Mike Williams. I think there's a little bit of debate whether Mike Williams is the actual number two. You could slide Hunter Henry into that role. I think Christian Kirk is pretty clearly the number two. So I'll take Kirk, albeit slightly. The four we're picking from again, we need two of them davante parker christian kirk darius slayton mike williams
1: i actually feel pretty fairly confident about mike williams the game environment sets up to be better i believe they have a uh, higher implied team total if not it's close and uh like his team actually likes passing deep whereas like they're simply operating a deandre hopkins based horizontal air raid in arizona we've seen gotten better it's gotten better but is it that much better where you're confident in playing a kyler murray deep threat receiver over a justin herbert deep threat receiver i believe mike williams leads the nfl in deep targets it's either over 15 or 20 yards so i give i give mike williams lean here although i don't think kirk is a bad play by any means and uh, it has gotten better like we saw like basically last year and then to start the year i thought they were going to have like no receiver outside of deandre Hopkins average like more than 20 air yards and three targets a game They've improved a little bit. I still think, though, we're looking at similar situations, and I, I will take the one who has a still an alpha but less of an alpha in Keenan Allen, and they're more prone to going deep. So I'll go with Mike Williams here, but those were the two I considered, and Devontae Parker kind of got shuffled to the top right away.
0: I can't believe you just said less of an alpha in regards to Keenan Allen. How dare you? In defense first, of Christian Kirk. First, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean— I know. I'm just I'm just making fun of you for a little bit. We have Christian Kirk, eight targets last week. It's it's nitpicking between these two guys. You can't really go wrong in that situation. I'd be fine starting Mike Williams too, if that's your lean in the spot. As far as, you know, a couple other situations we're targeting. There's a little lull in questions for a moment here. Looks like some Michael Thomas talk we hit on him already. Of course, throw your questions into the chat. We will get to each and every one of them. One situation I wanted to ask you about and it's more of just a presumptive situation at this point is the Raiders backfield. So hypothetically, what do we do if Josh Jacobs sits to give you guys some context, Josh Jacobs was downgraded to a did not practice yesterday. They promoted theoretic off the practice squad. So reading kind of the tea leaves here, it at least puts Josh Jacobs in this questionable range this weekend. And if Josh Jacobs sits are you looking at guys like Devontae Booker, Jalen Richard? Are you ignoring the situation altogether? What do we make of this Las Vegas back situation?
1: Yeah, so they have like they basically all they did all offseason was load up on pass catching backs after Josh Jacobs. They didn't really secure any guys who I think would profile as between tackles bangers, but someone needs to play that role. I guess the lean for that job would probably be Devontae Booker. But the fact that they are underdogs, and I think the spread maybe have come a little bit in favor of them, I mean, relative to where it started. Maybe that means because they're underdogs, you look to the pass catcher, which would probably be Jalen Richard and then Devontae Booker gets between the tackles carries, which, you know, as an underdog probably isn't as valuable as a role. I wouldn't be too confident in any anything we see here, although if we do end up getting Josh Jacobs ruled out, I think both are like deep flex plays. I probably lean Jalen Richard just on the hope that he plays all the pass catching downs, which in PPR leagues could be valuable if they're underdogs in a game with a large total.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I They've used Booker in some spots earlier this year when when Josh Jacobs has been a little banged up in games. Again, I don't feel great about either of these guys. But of course, you know a lot of this stuff does get updated on Osmo.com and you can get access to all the great tools at Osmo Plus and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with a weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to premium content, all the tools at Osmo, including player projections, ownership projections, premium Slack, and much more. only looking to just play nfl you can sign up for a weekly nfl package for 14.95 or give the weekly express pass a shot for 395 in one direct parallel this has to just straight fantasy football osmo himself projects stats for all of these players not just how they're going to do in dfs but literal targets receptions receiving yards rushing everything projected right there for you so if you have tiebreakers and you're making these difficult decisions It's one tool I like to use to just help make some of those close decisions overall. Again, Osmo Plus has all of that for you. Looking at some other questions in the chat, we have a Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray. He asks to rank them. For me, it's going to be Watson one, given that game environment. I'll go Herbert two. Don't feel great about that. And Kyler Murray three. I think with Arizona playing the Miami Dolphins, who are, they are one of the worst run defenses in football. They're giving up the fourth most yards per attempt. I think Chase Edmonds should pretty clearly have his way with that defense. That's going to give the edge to Herbert over Murray for me. And I'll keep Watson number one. Again, the three we're ranking are Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert, and Kyler Murray like where
1: who's who's is this like a dfs question you better not if you somehow found your way into getting all three of these guys on your roster one <laughs> i applaud you but like what sicko sicko league are you playing in if they let you do this i will go i'll actually do a similar thing i'm going to put kyler murray to the back because i do agree that we could see a run heavy approach from the team which like they're not like incredibly pass heavy either surprisingly i would thought they would lead the league in passing by a wide margin like they do get their backs involved now it'll be chase Edmonds. so I will put him at the back end of this because not only does like his game environment not look quite as good, just the overall total on their game is lower, but the rushing attack could be their preferred approach. I'm going to give Justin Herbert the lead just because I see his team or his opponent, I guess, keeping it close. Whereas I don't see Jacksonville putting up much of a fight. They could though. So I will give Justin Herbert basically the same, like I feel just as confident about him as I do about Sean Watson at this point, given how he's played I don't feel as confident about the Sean Watson's opponent, keeping him in the game and throwing, but it's a slight lean for me. It was Justin Herbert, one Watson, two Kyler Murray, three. And it seems like we've both come to the consensus that Kyler Murray is three.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I don't have any real difficult problems with that. Um, Next question we have from the chat, Antonio Gibson or David Johnson. All right. This is a good question. I think it's a, an interesting one because Antonio Gibson is seemingly on the come up seeing an increased role coming out of the bye, And then we have David Johnson, who's finally in a winnable matchup. David Johnson, they've been underdogs for a majority of this year. They now find themselves as over touchdown favorites against Jacksonville. So it sets up for a big David Johnson game. I will give the edge to Johnson because we know the volumes locked in for him. Gibson is still a little bit more of a projection moving forward. Do you feel the same way?
1: Yeah, I believe Gibson had 20 carries the last time we saw him, which looks really good. But I believe the other backups, the the other backup runners combined for 15 carries as well. So it was just a run heavy script. I believe that was the game they, you know, everyone is going to, but that's the game where they routed Dallas. He still wasn't the dominant number one back in terms of his uh, like his rushing market share. It's just they ran a lot as a whole. So maybe a bit of a uh, like a sneaky understood under misunderstood spot where he didn't dominate the backfield. Their backfield just dominated overall in terms of their ability to be used, whereas David Johnson does actually dominate his backfield. We just don't see any other backups getting in much work. So although I think Gibson is like way better of a player, I don't really care. I think David Johnson sees a lot more work in his team's pretty big favorites or at least reasonable favorites. So I think if there's they're similar backs, but uh, one of them has the edge in like market share numbers and the other one has the edge in being better, I'm going to always lean on volume and in a good spot too. It's not like uh, he's facing a difficult matchup. So even though I think Gibson, I'd rather see Gibson get the David Johnson
0: workload. He's not. So I go with David Johnson. I want to expand on Gibson a little bit here and maybe do some over unders or just players that we might prefer Gibson over, because I think it's an interesting exercise worth going through Gibson, seeing the increased workload, just looking at some of the runners we have on the, week nine slate I prefer him over guys like David Montgomery I would rather roster Antonio Gibson over I think both Chiefs runners at this point just because I think his workload will be better I think there's a discussion to be made over guys like James Robinson because James Robinson while he has the fantastic workload his game environment is downright atrocious so that's kind of the range I'm actually thinking about Antonio Gibson I think he's moved firmly into RB2 territory where are you kind of drawing that line
1: Yeah, I would still take James Robinson over him. The game environment doesn't set up to be great for him, but he has been like a very, very impressive pass catcher, which was kind of a deviation from his college profile. But I think there's just a lot of scheme that goes into which running backs actually end up catching passes in the NFL. So because he has that out and he still controls so much of the offense, uh, like I think he has a third of their touchdowns overall, I'm still going to give the lean to James Robinson. I think maybe an interesting one is like Justin Jackson, who kind of has the same role where he projects to lead the backfield and carries he could get some targets but uh there are definitely backs that get in the mix where would you take him i would take gibson over jackson but it's very close
0: i would take gibson over jackson too and agreed. Agreed. we have oh these are my favorite questions thanks gavin it's a, ah. a season-long question but it's when things get a little gross we, nice, nice. we're dealing with some injuries as you're you're going to be able to find out Darnell Mooney or Mike Jasicki in
1: the flex? Oh, it's Darnell Mooney. Like, Mike Gesicki Mike is, like, a rotational tight end at this point. It, it's, like, he's—I'm fairly confident he's better than, like, Durham's Mike and Adam Shaheen. The team doesn't seem to think so, and from what we—our one-game sample was quite discouraging on the Tua Tagovailoa experiment. I still think Tua is very good. Like, our college prior should be that he's very good. But until we see that in the NFL, we should just be tepid in how we expect this offense to perform— Darnell Mooney like the, the Tennessee defense has been given up to everybody so I think Darnell Mooney as the clear number two receiver on his team like Anthony Miller has produced in spots but has largely been used like running less routes getting less targets and less air yards than Darnell Mooney we finally
0: saw him score recently too so I'm gonna go with Mooney here I like Darnell Mooney a lot I played a lot of Darnell Mooney in DFS if that tells you how I feel about I'm also a Bears homer a little bit so take that for what it's worth but I think Darnell mm-hmm. Mooney regardless of bias is the pretty clear play in this spot. Of course, guys, throw more questions into the chat. If you have them, Kyle and I will get to each and every one of them, throw that thumbs up button to us as well. It is the easiest way to support everything Kyle and I do and the entire awesome team. We appreciate it very much. Of course, we have some free content for you each and every day today. We have NFL rankings and the MMA top fighters tool. It's actually free through the rest of the weekend. So make sure to check those out. NFL rankings can be another great way to just look at maybe some tough decisions you have in season long fantasy football and break some ties. We also have the odd shopper tool. I want to highlight one of my favorite tools on Osmo.com and best of all, it's free. It's a tool that essentially lets you go and search lines, totals, spreads, player props. Even you can literally search a player's name and it takes a large variety of the books we have and gives you the best possible odds. You can, it's huge for building your bankroll, And of course, it's free. So head over to oddshopper.osmo.com. You can also track your bets. You can set alerts. So when lines hit a sit and mark, you can take them instantly. Again, fantastic, cool. We have over at osmo.com. So check that out. Of course, more questions coming through. Oh, it looks like the team that we were just discussing with Mooney, at least I think he'll probably go with Mooney has Zeke and Ridley. So that is a really rough team, man. Sorry about that, Gavin. Of course, mm-hmm. there are some other interesting situations to look at. One I want to get your take on is Antonio Brown and what we do with him this week. I looked at some Chris Godwin reports. Even this morning, we got some reports rolling out of Tampa. I don't know if Godwin's going to log a limited practice or not, but he was on the field. He was wearing a special glove on his hand. Um, Tampa Bay beat reporter, the name is escaping me at this moment, but he said he didn't catch any passes, but it Chris Godwin was handling the football well. So I think he's going to play in that event. Are you still going to take a look at Antonio Brown this weekend? Was it Rick Stroud? Was that the beat reporter? Is Greg Almond still right for them? <laughs> I, I don't feel think like I know. Was, I think it was Greg Almond. It's his name. Uh, Almond's
1: really good. I, I like Allen. Uh, unrelated. Uh, I, I think... Probably what we see from Antonio Brown is maybe similar to what we see or what we saw from him in his one game in New England, where I believe he ran less than 20 routes and saw eight targets, which like is an incredible rate. And it's probably for two reasons. One, he's really good. And two, when he's on the field, like given the limited practice reps he has with the team, You probably give him a very shortened version of the playbook where he's only being used on the plays he's actually going to be involved in, like a first or second read. So although I don't think we see a lot of him, when we do see him, I think those are like high leverage opportunities where he gets a lot of targets on a per snap basis. So I think he's definitely in consideration. Like I'm probably flexing him everywhere. I have him having some best balls that I hope he makes it into the flex as well. I wouldn't be supremely confident in starting him, but I think, you know, if you've got this incredible talent and he should have some role. Absolutely. I think you're, you're playing Antonio Brown.
0: Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli,
1: I guess. Haha, In my dentist's office. Otherwise, and he even becomes more attractive if Chris Godwin doesn't play, but it does seem like there's a slight lean towards him playing now.
0: Man, I remember Antonio Brown's singular game where Tom Brady just targeted him relentlessly, and I can't get it out of my head. (laughs) I hope it was was unreal. I hope we see that again. Some other situations we need to monitor going into the weekend. Okay, I know I'm going to tee you up on this one. Adam Humphreys still not practicing with a concussion. What do we make of this situation?
1: Uh, Corey Davis, number one receiver, apparently. No, I mean, it's difficult to say that Corey Davis is a guy you want to be starting, but he's played three games with AJ Brown, I believe three, if not four. And he has led the team in targets and air yards and basically all receiving production metrics in those games. Do I think he is the number one receiver for this team? Probably not. But do I think we have greatly overestimated the gap between incredible prospect A.J. Brown and also incredible prospect who went for over 900 yards in his second season in the NFL on a terrible Titans team, Corey Davis? Yeah, I do think we've overstated the gap between these two players. They have two, one really good receiver and one Corey Davis potentially good receiver. I think we've just completely written off Davis too much. So I'm flexing him when I have him. I don't have a ton of Corey Davis because, uh, Didn't look great for him, but this is an efficient, if not, you know, not very pass heavy, but efficient when they do so offense. Corey Davis, I think, probably slots in as like a wide receiver three this week and and most weeks going forward.
0: I was surprised how much opportunity Corey Davis had received in the Titans offense. Well, you and I were talking earlier in the week and I had to legitimately go back and do a double take. He is back to back 10 target games. So Corey Davis is legitimately being used in this Titans offense. I think he's worth a look in a flex, especially for some teams that are desperate, some teams that are dealing with, you know, like Ezekiel Elliott and some other underperformers on the year. But, you know, there's a lot of interesting places we could maybe go in the flex this weekend. And one I also want to get your take on is Miami. Of course, Miles Gaskin is going on short-term injured reserve. Matt Breida reportedly popped up with a hamstring injury and he looks really dicey to play. Yeah, I don't think Yeah, I don't think he is either. The team acquires DeAndre Washington midweek, but he's still not eligible to play. That leaves Patrick Laird, Jordan Howard, and Salvin Ahmed to potentially handle work. I don't know. There's a connection between Miami and Washington, Washington Huskies, that is. That's where Gaskin and Ahmed went. Do you think Laird is going to handle the work? Jordan Howard, maybe? I have no real lean here.
1: I mean, it's got to be a... Fairly even split between Patrick Laird getting like all the pass catching work because he was like a super three down back in college. Doesn't come out with much acclaim. Hasn't done a ton. He kind of got in towards the end of the season last year. I would imagine like you're not, you're never passing Jordan Howard. Imagine actually passing an NFL football to Jordan Howard. So I would see, I would think we see a lot of Patrick Laird is as a receiver out of the backfield and some maybe close to over half of the rush attempts go to Jordan Howard, I mean, they used him around the goal line in the first few weeks, and then they just cut him loose. They put him on, like, they made him inactive every week. So I think we see a comeback sort of from Jordan Howard. I'm definitely not playing Jordan Howard. I think in PPR leagues, if you are really desperate, you can look to Patrick Laird because he should see some carries and basically all the targets.
0: I think it's probably Patrick Laird too. And I know Patrick Laird has kind of become a joke on the internet, but in this case, I think he's... Clearly the better pass catching back than Jordan Howard too. So we're in agreement here. He's more of, I don't know, a prayer flex play for me. Like, is there anyone we've talked about already in this list that you're comfortable playing Patrick Laird over?
1: Um, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, over, I guess if you're looking, if you're like somehow you've just been ravaged by injuries, I would take Patrick Laird over any of the, um, uh, the Raiders backs because I think we could have a stronger lean on what happens with the dolphins than we can with the Raiders. I think there's a bit more certainty that Patrick Laird comes in and gets the pass catching work and some running work. So if you're super desperate and you're looking at these situations that are evolving, as we speak, Patrick Laird is the lean out of that group of guys. I don't think there's anyone else though. Maybe the jets runners, the Michael. Oh yeah. We haven't talked about the jets. I dude, No, I'm not playing Jets runners. Absolutely. I take
0: Patrick Laird over him. Yeah, I think so too. I just pick up Patrick Laird in that situation. Gujeski, can you talk about the spot for the Chiefs, 34 team total, and you hate everyone but Sammy Watkins? Uh, well, so let's talk about Sammy Watkins. If he plays, do you think he's startable?
1: Yeah, he's deep startable, but, I mean, we've seen some impressive outings. I mean, it's not hard to be impressive with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen some good outings from Demarcus Robinson and Michael Hardman. Both of them look, you know, Michael Hardman, very explosive, Demarcus Robinson at least getting the work done with, uh, with Patrick Mahomes under center, so... Do they need to bring him back to the entirety of the workload right away, even if he is healthy? I don't think so. I think he's very deep flexed, dartable, But uh, like, I would take Corey Davis over him. I'd probably take like if if you could snag Marvin Jones over him. Uh, like, there there are probably a lot of guys who I'd be more confident in just because we don't know. And we've seen good stuff from all of the backups. Like, unsurprisingly, they play with Patrick
0: Holmes. We've seen good stuff from these backup receivers from Kansas City. I think you start Sammy Watkins if he plays. It's 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 as simple as that for me. And I know I've been accused right. of being a Sammy Watkins fan in the past. Our good friend Gavin in the chat, he has to make some very difficult starting decisions this weekend. He has Michael Thomas and Godwin, so I think you're set on both of them. Cross your fingers that they'll play, but he has to start at least one of Miles Boykin, Kenny Stills, or Demir Bird. I'm going to throw this to you. Miles Boykin, Kenny, <laughs> Miles Boykin, Kenny Stills, and Demir Bird. Um, I don't know. I guess the, the lean here is
1: probably like Demir Bird. This is, this is truly a miserable question. I guess it would potentially (laughs) be Demir Bird, but he was out targeted by Jacoby Myers the last time we saw them, I believe. So uh, like, I think maybe he offers the best target floor. If you're looking for a ceiling play, Miles Boykin attached to still like throwing touchdowns at above average rate, but nothing else has looked great for Baltimore. It's not a great matchup. I guess I go bird then boykin that's my lean too and it's not a strong one i would take. thank you for the, the question over. though these are the kind of questions that like like anytime someone asks me like yeah i'm like play mike williams sure," or whatever this is the question where i'm thinking like i really have to look through the rolodex of things i
0: remember about these players yeah and with, with miles boykin Demir bird and kenny stills you really got to dig deep yeah we were running we were running that question it's todd Gurley versus melvin gordon for me i think Todd Gurley is pretty clearly the superior player. I know you're not excited about Gurley. He hasn't really impressed you this year, but his workload is still near the top of the league. He's averaging 19.6 opportunities per game. That's targets plus carries. If you look at his last four games, 18, 23, 25, 18 opportunities, that's quietly pretty good usage. You look at the matchup here, they get Denver. So, I mean, it's not ideal as far as matchups go, but Atlanta is a rare favorite in this game. I think that suits Mm -hmm. itself to more Gurley attempts. What do you make of the Todd Gurley versus Melvin Gordon dichotomy?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably similar volume in terms of market share numbers from both, but one of them is home favorite Todd Gurley, and one of them is road dog Melvin Gordon. So it's like if, if we were looking at Atlanta on the road to a favorite Denver team, I would probably have a, a small lean towards the other side. But also on top of the fact that he's home favorite and road dog split, like obviously we have uh, Todd Gurley, I believe, number two in the NFL in red zone carries. So he gets a lot Of red zone work on a team that can put up points. Whereas on the other side, not only are they on the road and underdogs, but on a neutral field, neutral script, you know, I think we would just project the Drew Locke
0: led Broncos to score less points. So I I lean pretty cleanly, Todd Gurley. I think so too. As long as we're talking about some of these ambiguous situations, I I just realized we have another pretty big one. T.Y. Hilton got hurt. I looked at the Colts practice report. Marcus Johnson also didn't practice. Are we looking to Trey Burton? Are we looking to Zach Pascal, Michael Pittman? Who is going to catch these Philip Rivers passes?
1: Yeah, I think you've got two of them locked in pretty much, Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman. How effective is this offense against Baltimore? I I don't know, but do you get a lot or at least a, a decent amount of targets when you pick up Pascal or Pittman? Yeah, I think those would be the two receivers they trot out. We'd probably see a lot of two tight end with Trey Burton being the primary pass catching tight end, Uh, you know, see a mix of like Jack DeLay or whatever. So Trey Burton probably enters the phrase as as a solid streaming option, whereas Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman, just because we don't know their split and how effective this offense will be, like not the best plays. But I would say I would play either of those guys over the Demir Berg, Kenny Stills and whoever else was in that group. I would take these guys over
0: them. So if you could find them on your waiver wire, maybe that's your lean. I think that was a dynasty question. So I, I, I don't want that. dynasty, so do I, but I, I mean, that's the type of league where you might those legit legitimately might be your best options. And I wouldn't be surprised. We have another question from Fritz. It is Hall. I'm presuming Marvin Hall, Corey Davis, or Damian Harris at the flex. I'll I like Corey Davis in this situation. What do you think? I, Marvin Hall's in line for more work, Damian Harris, I still don't love the Patriots backs. I think they'll continue to rotate. I know Harris had the big game, but my first lean is Corey Davis. What is is your take?
1: Yeah, it's Corey Davis. Like, we saw Marvin Hall step in with a nice game, and I, I look kind of like Marvin Hall, but – I mean it's one game essentially of him getting decent volume in a game where they I'm sure they didn't expect obviously Kenny Galladay to go down, given a week to game script, we could see other players involved more like I don't want to overproject like the the Olamid Zacchaeus overprojection when like Julio Jones out people like gotta jam in Olamida Zacchaeus. And uh, just didn't happen to be the case. So a lot of times when we see a guy go down mid-game, the split we see is not the split we see moving forward, like the same thing with Chase Claypool has still had a good fantasy season after like, you know, the one big game but he's not going to jam in, you know, 10 targets a game or whatever. So I think, uh, I think I pretty much cleanly
0: go Corey Davis here. Yeah, me too. Again, guys, we're answering all of your questions, throw them into the chat. If you have them and Kyle and I will get to them as we close out the last 20 minutes of the show here. Of course, today's show is sponsored by Yahoo daily fantasy sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV uploads and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices, choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Of course, Yahoo, of course, providing phenomenal Daily Fantasy products across the market. So make sure to check them out. I want to ask you about Jacksonville. Now, Gardner Minshew, he's not playing. We have Jake, Jake Lutton, Jake Luton, not exactly sure how you play his name, veteran of Oregon State. Prospect that was not really sought after in the NFL draft, but... He's starting for Jacksonville. My main question is how it relates to the pass catchers. If you're a DJ chalk owner, what are you doing? If you have James Robinson, do you have any confidence in this offense? What do we really expect to happen in here?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you were starting James Robinson almost no matter who's the starting quarterback, because like he is getting like, like his, his quarterback play, even if it's as bad as like the Dallas situation is. He's probably seeing bigger market share numbers, almost certainly seeing bigger market share numbers than a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. So even if it gets to that point, you're still talking about league leading volume essentially. So I think you're starting him almost no matter what the pass catchers may be a bit more ambiguous, not only because we don't know what their quarterback play is going to be like, we don't know which one's going to get the targets on any week. We've had Colin Johnson week. We've had Keelan Cole week. We've had like, I'm sure we've had Chris Conley week at some point. And obviously the top two Visca and DJ Chark, should get theirs, but, On this offense, how confident can we be that even like an eight target game for LaVisca Chennault actually converts into much? Shouldn't have a ton of confidence. So I I would say they're probably closer to three wide receiver, three fours. I I think like we've had a lot of Mike Williams and Corey Davis questions. I would take those two guys over, over them pretty clearly. Brandon Cook's another maybe question that people would have. Brandon Cook's very clearly over them. It's more when we start getting into these like deeper questions that I'm really considering playing LaVisca right
0: now. Yeah, I'm not really interested in LaVisca. We just haven't seen much out of him. It's been pretty low A-dot targets with with LaVisca. It's not something I really want to take a look at. As far as uh, Detroit, there's some questions about the the Lions offense, about Quintus Cephas in particular. He's someone that filled in for Galladay earlier in the year, but he was a healthy scratch in their most recent game. They went to Marvin Hall instead. I think the three wide receiver set is probably going to be Marvin Jones, Marvin Hall. And Damny, Danny Amendola, do you have a different lean on that situation?
1: Um, I th- so I think what happened is, I believe from my understanding is that like Marvin Hall, a special teamer, they put Marvin Hall in the lineup and took Cephas out because they had a healthy Kenny Galladay. I think we will see Quintez Cephas maybe not play the entirety of the starting role, but now that they know they don't have Kenny Galladay, Quintez Cephas being not a special teamer and probably mostly an actual wide receiver could step in for Marvin Hall and play that job, like quintess cephas wasn't active last week i would assume and this could be wrong because they didn't need him because they had their starter available and they kept marvin hall because he can play special teams so we could see cephas step in to the kenny galladay role and that's really the only reason i'm not super excited about marvin hall if like if an actives come out and we see quintess inactive again it doesn't i don't think that's the case but if that were the scenario i'd actually get very high on marvin hall because we would know that he is stepping into a starting role I think we probably see them split if not Cephas take over. And that's why I'd be a little, a little bit more concerned about Hull is that the reason he stepped in is because they didn't have Cephas. And I, they, I assume they will make Cephas active this week. He could step into that role because he did it earlier in the
0: year. I like that call. I mean, they did handpick Cephas in the draft. My my boy coming out of Wisconsin, it'd be nice to see him play again. I think more than anything in your seasonal leagues, the ambiguity is just a reason to avoid it outside of, I, I think Danny Amendola pretty comfortably retains his role in the slot. And Marvin yeah. Jones will stick on the outside. We have another starts at question, full PPR league in the flex. It is Darnell Mooney, DeAndre Swift, Troy Maine Pope, or Zach Moss. This is a tough one. I think I will probably lean DeAndre Swift and it's not really, I mean, it's a close decision for me. I could see Mooney in this situation, but anytime I can get away from this Bears offense, I typically decide to do so. DeAndre Swift has seen increased opportunities outside of that just horrendous game script we had last week so it'll be DeAndre Swift don't feel great about it but here are the options again Kyle it's a flex Darnell Mooney DeAndre Swift Troy main Pope and Zach Moss.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's DeAndre Swift. I think you just lock in a lot of, not a lot, but more volume than any of these other guys. Because even though Mooney, like we like Mooney, I, I think I chose to start him or at least gushed over him earlier. He's still going to be clearly the number two and a distant number two in an offense that while they pass a lot, they don't do it very efficiently under, under Nick Pools. So given how much we see on a weekly basis from Allen Robinson, Mooney is kind of a touchdown or bust or long catch and bust kind of guy. Whereas DeAndre Swift, given that they don't get absolutely destroyed, which it happened last week in DeAndre Swift bus, given that that doesn't happen, that very like multi, like that very steep end of the range of outcomes, outcome that doesn't happen, which they are underdogs, but not like that level of underdog. Like they got killed by the Colts. I think you lock in roughly half of the carries and most, if not all of the backfield targets by playing Swift. So that's what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah. You mentioned they got killed by the Colts. And interestingly, the Colts did not use a ton of Jonathan Taylor in that Jonathan Taylor in that game. He was extremely inefficient. We saw Jordan Wilkins come in. We saw even Naheem Hines score a couple touchdowns. Saw, if you guys saw his amazing touchdown celebrations, if you didn't see them go look them up on Twitter, they are fantastic. But what do we do with Jonathan Taylor at this point?
1: I mean, I am, maybe you don't have other options, but if I do have other options, I'm very comfortable benching him because at this point, I don't think we see Jordan Wilkins like out carry him a, Ton going forward, but given that that is now officially on the table, not only out carrying, but it's like 20 to 11 or 20 to 12, like it was a very clean beat down of Jonathan Taylor. So I think that he doesn't have a large role in the passing game, that he is just splitting work as a runner. Like, I don't know, he's he's like fancy Peyton Barber.
0: (laughs) I I know I did see that he might be hurt, he was limited with an ankle injury, too. Yeah, so I still have hopes for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he was one of the most dynamic college prospects we've ever seen. If you have Jonathan Taylor, I think you're holding tight. Maybe you're looking to see what other options you have. I'm not hundred percent sure you'll be able to find them, but if you know, you can chase Edmonds on your bench or I'm not, I'm definitely not looking to a Miami runner over him. So I guess you're still probably playing him if you have him sticking with that, you know, the game last week where we had the lions and the Colts, what are we doing with Stafford? Okay. So the situation with Stafford's a bit ambiguous. He gets put into the COVID protocols, does not allegedly test positive himself, and now he needs to string together a series of negative tests before he can play on Sunday. Because of the timing, if he tests negative all of those days, it looks like we could get an active Stafford. How I guess the main question would be, if Stafford is out, how does that affect the offense? And what's your confidence level in Stafford if he plays?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be like, one, I do think he's going to play. I don't think so far, like obviously so far he hasn't tested positive, so It was just a high risk, close contact. And, you know, I think you laid it out well. It's high risk, close contact. If he strings together all negative tests up until game time, he will end up playing for sure. And uh, he won't practice, but like, you know, like probably a decade veteran or more. Like, I don't think he needs like one week of practice versus one of the league's (laughs) worst secondaries in a game with a good total. Like, I think he'll be... Fine playing Stafford. If you have him on your roster, I would make sure you have contingency plans because there's no guarantee that he returns all negative tests up until Sunday. But if he plays, I think he's a fine like streaming or like, you know, low end QB one, high end QB two option. If he doesn't play, I don't think outside of TJ Hawkinson, because, you know, it's tight end, you don't have many great choices. I
0: don't think I'd be starting anyone on this team. I think you're right. I, I'm crossing my fingers that Stafford plays. He's my quarterback in my high-stakes season-long league that has gone through a series of turmoil this year, as you well know. We have a good one. You this lost year. George Kittle again. No, I'm glad you remember. You know my team so well. Yeah, I lost for reference, yeah. guys in the chat. I lost Saquon Kittle. It's been a rough year for me. I'm starting. I was starting Miles Gaskin. Lost him too. So now it's tough tough streets for me but we have a question for a wide receiver too it is Corey Davis versus Deontay Johnson this is a tough one we like Corey Davis Adam Humphries. he's I think I would tentatively not expect him to play putting Corey Davis I think with a more confident projection but for me it's still going to be Deontay Johnson I like the game environment a lot there and I think Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver one when healthy what do you make of this
1: yeah I think I, I kind of agree with you I love I, I like Corey Davis, it's not good love. I like Corey Davis, but I think we get a potential, like a more likely wide receiver one in Deontay Johnson than we do in Corey Davis, who, I mean, I said like his numbers look like the, the tentative wide receiver one, but I am much more confident that like AJ Brown should be the wide receiver one on that team. Whereas Deontay Johnson like does look like the wide receiver one on his team. When healthy, this team has a very solid implied team total, even like, you know, they're big favorites. So they could get up early and not have to throw, but do a scenario where they get up early given the market share numbers we've seen from Deontay Johnson should mean a productive game from Johnson. So there's a small risk that he doesn't get involved in the second half and it's a, a bust game. But as long as he is healthy, which is always such a tentative thing, I continue to roll with Deontay Johnson.
0: I think so too. We just got word from Bruce Arians himself that Chris Godwin will play this week. Oh, cool. He says he called the status quo pain management. So it looks like Godwin is going to gut this out. So I think that is a little downgrade for Antonio Brown slightly. And I think you probably just playing Godwin if you have him. What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I think if you have Godwin, you have like you kind of have to blame who like how could you not uh, play Godwin, even a less than healthy Godwin. The most interesting thing is we've seen like Mike Evans just get completely trashed when Godwin plays. He just gets like two targets a game when Godwin is active. So. Like, uh, maybe I'll throw that back to you. I'm playing Godwin. I'm playing, I'm playing Brown. Is Mike Evans the odd man out here? He literally averages like two catches a game when like, I think it's less than two catches a game. I think it's one and a half catches a game this season when Godwin has been healthy. And now you add another receiver to the mix, Gronkowski actually turning in like a bunch of multi like, good target games. What do we make of Mike Evans here? That's kind of the biggest question,
0: I think. I'll still play Mike Evans. I We have a long sample of Mike Evans being good. He's, so he's quite good. He's quite good. So I, I still will lean Mike Evans. We haven't seen Antonio Brown in quite some time. I I he hint, Bruce Arians, this is hinted at some sort of like a snap count. Didn't really say how much it was going to be. So I think we can still look to Mike Evans. Don't feel great about it, but that's where I would tentatively lean right now. As far as other injury situations, kind of round this out, just make sure we get to everything. Uh, Mark Ingram is still not practicing. That leaves J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards to handle a majority of the work here. I personally have a slight lean towards Dobbins. He just catches more passes than Gus Edwards. But honestly, I think both are flex-worthy. What do you think of the Ravens' backfield? Do you have a slight lean between either guy in the situation?
1: Yeah, the last time we saw them play, it was almost a perfectly split of the carries. But we have a large sample on Gus Edwards never catching passes. I still don't think he has a target on the year, if I remember correctly. I don't think he has a reception either, obviously. So... If you're going to get a similar split of the rushing work and you're going to get all of the pass catching work, which shouldn't be a ton, they don't throw to their running backs a lot, but if they do, it will certainly be Dobbins. I lean Dobbins here, but I agree. You're going to get half of maybe the most efficient carries in the league coming from Gus Edwards. So when you can get, you know, 15 Baltimore Ravens carries, I will probably take that even if I know it has a low floor, it's kind of touchdown or long run dependent. Gus Edwards still a solid flex play. You know, I take him over the Miami backs. I take him over if... Uh, you know if josh Jacobs somehow doesn't play i'd take him over the raiders backs i think he enters like the below justin jackson tier but above these like real punt plays
0: i think he's a pretty good play overall and the justin jackson is kind of where i think i would draw the line i think that's a really tough decision between those two if i'm just looking at some other backs i might consider him over like would you consider him over jonathan taylor
1: I think that's a good yeah I probably would consider him over Jonathan Taylor they're playing the same role they're playing the like mix in as a runner get a lot of work as a runner and not much work as a pass catcher except like Jonathan Taylor I think carries even more risk that he doesn't lead his team or doesn't come close to leading his team
0: in carries. so yeah I think I would let's do it uh, let's ride let's ride I did not think we would, be, we would be benching Jonathan Taylor for Gus Edwards but here we are we have some questions in the chat about this Atlanta game. It's another interesting injury situation with Calvin Ridley not practicing. I think Calvin Ridley's on the wrong side of doubtful. So that leaves Julio Jones to assume alpha status in the offense. They have Russell Gage, of course. I quietly like Hayden Hurst a lot in this game. Are you kind of rolling with Julio Jones if you have him? Do you think he's going to? I mean, obviously you're rolling with Julio Jones if you have him. Are you comfortable playing Hurst? Are you looking to Russell Gage?
1: Yeah, I think you were playing all of the Atlanta guys. I think you're – obviously, you're playing Julio Jones. You're playing Todd Gurley. You're playing Hayden Hurst because tight end is so miserable, and you had to actually spend, like, decent draft capital on Hayden Hurst that, like, you know, you probably didn't get a ton of great options. You weren't getting, like – you know, you weren't getting Hurst and, and a bunch of other good guys. You weren't getting Hurst and Darren Waller. I assume – I don't know. If you did, Hurst is probably a flex-worthy play. So Hurst is in. Russell Gage probably slots in as, like, a wide receiver 3-4. Like, he, he's way above – like, he's above the, the – Uh, Colts pass catchers. He's above the non-Devante Parker Dolphins pass catchers. He's probably maybe less than Brandon Cooks, but like obviously above like Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, like an actually viable wide receiver three. Like he's getting, he's been getting work even in games where they have their healthy pass catching core. So I I like him in this spot. So yeah, I I think he's pretty clearly a good wide receiver three play. How do you feel about Gage? He's kind of the one where like, I don't know what the split between him and Hayden Hurst is, but tight end is like this position that it is. You're starting guys like Hurst almost for sure, whereas wide receiver is deeper. Are you starting a Russell Gage?
0: Yeah, with Hurst, I think he's pretty clearly a starter. Just looking at the like peripheral stats with Atlanta, they're fourth in place per game, six in seconds per play. And while they spread the ball around a lot, like Hayden Hurst is a 15% target share. That's actually equated to some pretty good volume. Just with the teams that are faster, sometimes a depressed target share doesn't necessarily mean they're not seeing good raw target volume. Hurst has seven targets in back-to-back games. I think you can look to Gage. I'm going to be playing a little bit of him in season long where I, I have some spot starters. I need to, you know, buys are here. Injuries are here. I'll need to play some Gage this week. I feel okay about it. I think he's worthwhile yeah. as far. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely think, like, we're talking about some really ugly plays on the spot. Like, Gage is perfectly fine. I think so, too. Uh, let's get to another injury situation. One that i kind of overlooked a little bit here but we had this last week it was chris carson and carlos Hyde. chris carson again is coming in with its coach speak from pete carroll saying questionable he's going to test his foot up pregame it's the exact same language that he used last week i would assume he's closer because he's one more week removed from the injury carlos Hyde, on the other hand pete carroll called him doubtful doesn't look like he's going to play in the situation last week we saw dj dallas handle a massive workload now in the game travis homer suited up but he was only there for emergencies. I believe he had one carry for four yards, so they didn't use Homer whatsoever. Homer has been practicing this week. If we get Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson out, what are we doing with the the Seattle backs? Because this is an explosive offense. I want pieces of it.
1: Yeah, I think DJ Dallas definitely becomes a flex-worthy play. I will say Homer last week was, like, rumored to not be playing and then ends up being active. Clear was used in an emergency-only role. I think if he would have been fully healthy, it would not have been – I think I saw on log A carry. because I, I had some Homer. I split my ownership. I, I late-swapped on to both of, like, Homer and DJ because I didn't know who was going to be playing. Got exposure to both. The Homer line, they died quite quickly, <laughs> like, within two drives, I was like, well, these <laughs> lineups are dead. I don't think we see that again this week, given that he returned to practice and given that he was the guy they were using when they had like when they started getting Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson injuries, it wasn't DJ Dallas. So I think it was much more of a split, but we do have to take last week with uh, like some interest that DJ Dallas got all that work. So DJ Dallas probably still a slight preferred play between these two. I would say both of them are kind of deep flex plays because we simply don't know. I still take them over some of like they're better than any waiver wire ad you can find right now but are they better than the players you have currently? Probably
0: not. I think so too. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. I want to talk about Tua Tagovailoa. I don't want to talk about Tua Tagovailoa in the sense that we are starting him. I want to know what he does for the Miami pass catchers. Tua Tagovailoa looked brutal last week, and the game script didn't exactly set up for Miami to unleash him. They had a couple positive special teams plays that allowed them to get up really early in that game. Nonetheless, Tagovailoa didn't look great. What does his... I guess insertion into the Miami offense mean for the pass catchers, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams.
1: Yeah. I'm not really playing anyone on this team that doesn't have a locked in role at the beginning of the year. I would have told you that like Mike Gusecki qualifies for the locked in role at this point, that's not true. So I think because we can reasonably project the efficiency of this offense to continue to stay down relative to where it was with Ryan Fitzpatrick Anyone who is not going to get a lot of targets in a given game, which is like Monte Parker should not 100% confident, but he should fill that role. Anyone outside of him, I think I'm
0: benching. I think so too. All right, guys, that'll do it for us today. On the way out, hit that thumbs up button. It is the best way to support Kyle, myself, the entire Awesome team. Subscribe to the channel if you enjoy everything we are putting out. Kyle, I put in a ton of work as well as everyone else to these videos. So thank you if you've already subscribed, it means a lot. Of course, we have videos going on throughout the weekend. This is our last one today, if I'm not mistaken. Tomorrow kicks off with the college football show that's 945 Eastern time. It is myself and Ben Raza. You can check us out there. My personal favorite show of the week, love college football. We have a fantastic slate of games. Also, if you miss these live, check out our podcast network. Even if you just don't like watching the videos with maybe your screen open all the time, if you're not YouTube premium, we're everywhere you can find podcasts. Of course. I'm your host, Matt Kajeski, on Twitter at Matt underscore Kojewski. Go follow Kyle at Kyle Tweets here. We will be back again next week for another Start Sit Show. Good luck, everyone.